Unbelievable. I have to start by saying I absolutely love the people of Iowa. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. We have a poll. We're at 28 points ahead. Okay? New Hampshire. We love New Hampshire. We love South Carolina. We will go on to get the Republican nomination, and we will go on to easily beat Hillary or Bernie or whoever the hell they throw up there. Iowa, we love you. We thank you. You're special. We will be back many, many times. In fact, I think I might come here and buy a farm. I love it, okay? Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Welcome to Rhymes Against Humanity with Adam Brodsky. This is, of course, uh, that was yesterday, was the Iowa c- 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 caucuses. And that is over so we can all stop pretending to give a shit about ethanol. What a stupid fucking way to pick a president. And uh, and I watched, uh, I kept flipping back and forth between the Fox and the, uh, and the MSNBC, because uh, in the middle is the balance. And... Uh, uh, Fox was having themselves a little gasm because uh, because they they were calling Donald Trump the loser because he lost by four whole points to Ted Cruz, which is pretty much a tie. And then speaking of ties, um, Rachel Maddow and Chris Matthews and all those douches over at uh, MSNBC kept trying so hard to figure out who was going to be the winner. Who's the winner? You know what? The delegates in the dem- they're, they're apportioned. They're they're distributed proportionally. So forty nine point two to forty nine point six. You know what that is? That's a fucking tie. That's a tie. That's not a winner. So you don't have to you don't have to try and find a win. So. And then the whole, co- I mean, six of those precincts were decided by a coin flip, you know, a coin, a, a, a coin flip, you know, the, 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 the coin that's not good enough uh, to, to decide NFL overtimes. That one, that's good enough to decide the presidency, a coin flip. So it's a tie. So we can move on and get away from the, from, from the idiotic process and the poor supple, uh, segment of people. I mean, I am no great Bobby Jindal fan, and Scott Walker is about as bad as it gets, uh, um, and then uh, uh, and Mike Huckabee. I mean, these guys are guys. These are these are three of the worst. But they were running for president, and they never they they didn't get out of the gate because they were shut down. You know, the day before the any voting, and in Huckabee's case, the day after the first few idiots voted in a caucus. Okay, it's a dumb idea. Now we're going to move on to New Hampshire, an equally representative state. And then, so, uh, but the Iowa caucuses are over, and which means that we can get to what this podcast should be about, which is talking to songwriters about songwriting. And I've got an old one in the can here that is a great one. I just listened to it to make sure that uh, that it was uh, up to snuff, and it was. We're going to talk to uh, Bridget Kalin, who I spoke with almost a year ago, um, when I was in Louisville, and we had a great little talk and with lots. It was like the perfect amount of name dropping. She talked about uh, uh, um, she talked about Elvis Costello and Bob, you know, Bob De Niro. Uh, uh, so so it was. We had a really good time. Um, uh, talk, I had a really good time talking to her, and I hope you will enjoy it. So stick around. This is Rhymes Against Humanity with Adam Brodsky, uh, and this is Bridget Kalin. Uh, you can look at the rhymesagainsthumanity.com and see all of the links to where you can find more Bridget Kalin. Uh, um, 
And as well as as, as I always say, please, if you like the podcast, subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher, um, and go to go to iTunes and leave us a, a a bang and review. We would we would really appreciate that. So without further ado, rhymes against humanity with uh, Bridget Kalin. Welcome to Rhymes Against Humanity with Adam Brodsky. You get one guess who I am. I am, you know, you guessed that. And welcome to listening and everything. I am here with my good friend Bridget Kalin. This is the uh, third podcast I have recorded in less than 24 hours. Did Heidi Howe last night. We did Dan Cannon this morning. And now my good old friend Bridget Kalin, who I haven't seen in a couple of years. And I'm very, look- I'm very much looking forward to talking to her, hearing her story, and hearing her play the accordion and the saw and maybe the piano. And she might even uh, dig out the spoons and then uh, she'll do a little, <laughs> little shuck and jive dance. She's got a whole lot going on. So. And I appreciate her making time because Bridget Kalen, first of all, she's the dream. She is half Irish, half Jewish, so that is the dream. <laughs> and uh, freckly and beautiful. And on top of that, uh, this is, since she is half Irish, this is St. Patrick's Day weekend. And I'm, I'm very happy that she found an hour to squeeze in uh, to her busy weekend when she makes all of her money. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, uh, thank you for listening to Rhymes Against Humanity. We're going to get it right started with my friend Bridget Kalen. She has cool stories to tell about what it is like to give birth outside of America, uh, as well as uh, uh, lots of other things. So we're going get, to get talking to Bridget here. You can put that guitar down for, for briefly. So say hi to the people, Bridget. Hello, everybody. I'm Bridget. Hi. So Bridget and I met probably uh, 10, 12 years yeah. ago. Yeah, a long time. I was cruising through town, and my manager found you somehow. And we played a show. I think the first show I did here uh, was with Heidi at the pizza shop. Were you on that gig also? No, I don't think I was. But I remember I saw you with Heidi once in the basement of a, a venue that's long closed. So I th- it was Barrett. It was Baritones, maybe. Yeah, that was a gr- yep. such a cool room. Maybe I was so I was sad. On that show, I don't remember, but I remember yeah. seeing you there. Okay, and then one other time I came through town. And I don't. You're, you're gonna. This is a funny story. I came. I come through town, and I stayed with you guys. And uh, Louisville was always. You know what? I'm like eight hours from home from from here. So that's yep. so when I used to tour the whole country, that's that's, that's that's the last day or the first day of the tour. Right. So I was I was uh, I was one day out. I was playing the show in Louisville, and then I was going home. And it was laundry day, so I had this choice: I could do all my laundry on the road for one more day, or I could buy a pair of socks and a pair of underwear. Mm. And I was leaving your house, and uh, your. Uh, your other husband, I'm sorry, I forget his name. I'm sorry, uh, I f- Nate. <laughs> <laughs> I forget his husband, too. I like Nate. That, yes. that Dallas Alice fan was really right, good. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and Nate says, no, 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 wait, you, I'll tell you what, I'll, just, I'll give you a pair of socks. And Nate comes out and gives me a pair of socks. Okay, great, a pair of socks, thank you. And I put these friggin' socks on. Uh, you don't remember this. No, I have no idea what you're These saying. socks <laughs> were so fucking awesome. They were apparently his really? brother, they were like hunting socks or something that his brother got him, and they had oh. the arch support in there. And I, these were, these became my favorite. I remember I called you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is before the texting. So I called you right. from the road and said, uh, uh, I just want to tell you, these socks are amazing. These are great. And then, <laughs> so I, I mean, I'm not the kind of person that usually has favorite socks. Yeah. You know, your socks are socks. I need, you know, and for a while, as a matter of fact, my thing was, uh, you know, I just wanted all white socks. I don't have to match socks. Just throw them in a drawer. And then when I was a kid, uh, you know, I'm of the age where uh, we had the striped socks, the the red, two two red stripes, two blue stripes. Sure. That was the deal with your socks. And I was a rebel. I was like, Mom, I'm not matching my socks. No. I'm going to throw them on. And if I wear a red and a blue, I wear a red and a blue. I yeah. can live with that. And that became my thing. Yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah, so I now had a favorite pair of socks. Oh. And about six months into my favorite pair of socks, I then had a favorite sock. Oh, yeah. 
And this is straight up the tr- truth. I kept that sock because I loved it so much. Really? Right. And I was like, well, maybe I'll be a barefoot kicker one day yeah. and I'll use it on the other foot. So I kept the sock. And seriously, <laughs> it is now one of my oldest pieces of clothing. And just recently, <laughs> this is about six months ago, I went up to Reading, uh, uh, which is near about an hour out outside of Philadelphia because yeah. they, they have uh, um, a, uh, a, a sporting goods uh, outlet. A, 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 oh, I think one of those Wilson's. huge ones? Yeah. They, well, they used to have the – like all the outlet stores are out, yeah. up there. And before the internet, that used to be a big deal. You know, you're, you're, the, the women would make a day of it and they'd go shop and buy right. stuff they couldn't get. So the outlet stores have kind of taken a beating, but I went up there because I wanted to try on some baseball gloves, and because I'm left-handed, this is quite a story. That it's this is an interview oh, with Bridget Kalen. We're going to talk about Bridget eventually. I'm, yeah, so you're left-handed. <laughs> yes, I'm left-handed. Okay. So the thing is, when you buy a baseball glove, um, yeah. you got to try it on. And the thing is, if you go to a sporting goods store, they've got two left-handed gloves. You want the lo- this right. one or that one? Right. So I go up there and I figure I'm going to try on. I'm going to try on a bunch of gloves, and they didn't really have. Like I ended up not buying a glove there. I bought a glove somewhere else, but right. I tried them on. But while I was there, I went to the sock outlet, yeah. and I bought some other socks. I looked for it. I didn't find the exact okay. one. But I bought some other socks, and they were, they were, they were kind of similar because I was basing that. Like, that is the, is the holy grail of socks, right? Wow. <laughs> and so I bought these socks. And then uh, uh, that was probably – that was this, this uh, April, uh, April of 14. Uh-huh. And so just recently, December of 14 – I lost one of those socks ah. from the, but I still had the other one. So I've made, they're not exactly a match, but they feel real good. So I saved that damn sock. That's impressive. And I'm using it again. Yeah. And my whole life is, is a mess. Like, do I have, you know, I, 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 we are speaking right now into your blue snowball microphone because I left my blue Yeti over at Heidi's. I yeah. just left the house without it because that's the kind of person I am. But some, for some reason I have, so that is my sock story by sock. Bridget, Kaylin and, and Nate sock story. Wow. I can't believe you have that sock. Yes. Um, so is it, which foot does it go on? Like, do you have a? <laughs> no, I don't have foot? a. No, I don't. I, I don't. Oh, okay. uh, that, it doesn't that's, matter. I did. Uh, I think briefly. I I, I tried that because I, I you don't want to spread the athlete's foot or something. You want to segregate. <laughs> you don't want to contaminate from sock to yeah. sock. But uh, no, no, they they are. I I, I also I did tell uh, uh, somebody's kid. It was uh, a friend of mine's kid who was like six or seven. I said, no, 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 no. You got the left on the right and the right on the left sock. You got to. Your parents probably didn't tell you they didn't want to make it feel bad. Right. But you have a left sock and a right sock, and, and I, I you'd open the inside of the sock. So you look for this little line. If you, and it made something. <laughs> Up. Oh, ouch. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of a dick. Yeah, those parents are now dealing with poor OCD child. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mommy, the socks are on the wrong feet. So anyway, enough about socks. Uh, I am here with Bridget Kale. Good... Are you wearing socks today? No. No, not. Although, I, I, I don't. Oh. But I, I, don't, I never match socks. I, that's like actually a thing of mine. Oh, good. You yeah, and me. I, I think it's a waste. I even read somewhere where somebody did the math on like how much time it takes to match socks after laundry and that it, it ends up. You know, if you live the average lifespan, it ends up being two weeks of your life. Holy shit. Yeah. Right, no. So, no, we're going to live two weeks longer than everyone else enjoying. Yeah. Whenever people talk about the living longer, yeah. The, at the end, those are like the last two weeks. You'd probably be just, you know, and I'd give just those two up. Just <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah. But at least we're not wasting our life matching socks. Uh, it's confusing to my kid, though, who's two and a half, and he's learning about matching things. And actually, okay. last week at school, they talked about matching shoes and matching socks, and he came home and he's like, "Mommy, your socks don't match." Like, that's right, and that's okay. No, mommy, that's not okay. Like, what are they teaching you at school? So. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Uh, so Bridget is is a is a dear old friend of mine, and you are one of those musicians who's a musician. Like oh, you thanks. sight read. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, and and um and you play you play the piano. I play the piano. That's my first instrument. Okay, and the accordion. Yep. Which obviously is an extension of extension the... of it's a lot lighter when I'm traveling. Yeah. I carry it on an airplane. Um. Yeah, I play guitar. I. I yeah, I dappled in strings in 
I started playing cello in like fourth grade. And oh, really? That wasn't cool enough for me, so I switched <laughs> to guitar. I wish I'd stuck with that cello, though. I, I love it. But um, yeah, things with strings make sense to me. Okay. But um, piano's my main stuff. So. Nice. Well, some pianos have strings, not this one over here. Not but... this one, yeah. No. <laughs> and, and you give lessons. You give Skype lessons, too, don't you? I do. I, I uh, started doing that when I moved abroad for a, a year and a half. Oh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yep. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, it works no. out well. So Good. I, a lot of, in fact, I still have some of my piano students who live down the street who Skype their lessons. So you were over, you were over in, in uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, giving lessons back in the states. Yep. That's very cool. It was great. I didn't. I we weren't sure how long we'd be gone, and so I, I wasn't sure if my students would want to follow me. But I, you know, I had a work permit and could have gotten a job or just toured a bunch when I was over there. But I was like, teaching kind of keeps me sane and level-headed. And oh, really? Why? Why do you think that is? <sighs> um. It's routine, I guess. Okay. I, don't know, I got old. I got tired of the weekly gigs. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind a monthly gig, but those weekly gigs come around real fast. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, you're still doing the same thing. So, but the routine is good. So when I have students come over, you know, I, I know what I'm doing Monday afternoons between two and six or whatever it is. Okay. And, and it's music related, so it, it's also huge, a huge help for ear training. Like I have a good ear anyway. And okay. I, and I, I've always had that, but it. Three days a week, I get ear training because I don't see either on Skype. I don't see their fingers, but I can tell you, hey, no, that was F sharp. Or really, yeah. So oh, it's, that's it's, cool. It's great about that, and then interval training and all that music theory stuff that you learn, and then um, you need to keep up with. Okay, it actually really helps to to teach because you're just constantly hearing someone else play notes, and you know what the notes are, and so you know whether it's a perfect fourth or a major third or these you know nerdy music terms. Right. But um, it's like getting quizzed on it daily. Oh. So. Wow. I love that for that. Plus, I'm always teaching scales and all the music theory stuff, so it keeps me up up to date on it. Oh, that's cool. Oh, have, yeah. they, have they changed it? Have they added? They is changed. there an H? <laughs> <laughs> they should add an H. Not yeah, but you know, how often do you practice your D flat major scales? Oh, uh, like, yeah, right. Don't look at me. Flats and I, you know, oh, okay, that's, a, that's nice. Constantly quizzing the kiddos. So, so but, but if, I, if I threw a piece of strange sheet music right in front of you, you could, it wouldn't be great, yeah. but you could play it. Yeah, yeah. And three years ago, it would have been great. <laughs> uh, I had a kid, and so I haven't. Uh, That's right. It, but yeah, that is right. So, uh, so yeah. you were. Um, I remember I, I had called you and asked you something. I said something like, "Hey, I'm thinking about doing a swing. You want to do a show together uh, in in a few months?" And, and you said, "Well, no, because I'm moving to Scotland." <laughs> and I said, "No, seriously, <laughs> you could just say I'm not interested in your shitty songs, Adam." <laughs> but so, uh, tell me, how, what? How'd that happen? Uh, I've always loved Scotland, and I had become sort of obsessed with touring in the UK. Starting okay. about 2008, when I I did a first tour over there, and it was just, it was great. I loved, I've always been kind of nerdy for British history anyway, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I loved architecture and old stuff and stories, but I also just became completely enamored with the audiences over there, because they just still have this long-standing respect for the traveling troubadour. Like, it's still a thing, nice. you know? And so I just, I loved it. And um, my husband wanted to get... A master's degree okay. in business. He had been. If you hear hum, she's having her house clean. Yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna sell you out. It's totally. <laughs> she's, a, she's paying to have somebody clean her house. I'm a very successful musician. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, straight up, your Airbnb in your place, and so it's got yeah. to look nice. It's got to look no, nice. No, I'm not. I am not judging because it smells fucking awesome <laughs> in here. It smells great, and I gotta say, that's one of those secrets that I didn't realize that people don't talk about. Like, apparently, everybody dyes their hair, and everyone has a house cleaner. Like, right, okay. Which I have never dyed my hair, but now I know the secret. So I have a house cleaner, and you know, talk to me in a few years, maybe I'll have dyed my hair by then. Now, do you clean before the maid? shows up uh yes uh-huh. but only because there were there was a toy explosion oh right and a closed i just got back from tour like three days ago so 
I have a suitcase full of stuff. So, but we didn't like scrub. We just sort of threw things in closets. Gotcha. Okay. That kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, back to Scotland. Hum. That's the hum. Yeah. So yeah, um, Scotland. So my husband wanted to get a master's degree. He was working in nonprofit and sustainability and all these things that didn't pay very well, and we were sort of like let's do good for the world but maybe make some money at the same time yeah. so he went to get an MBA and I was like why don't you look at the school in Scotland and, <laughs> and he's he's crazy smart and did like killer and could have gotten in you know to London if he wanted but he only applied to Edinburgh and <laughs> I was like because you love me so much Aww. it's my favorite city and and so of course he got in and this was in May and I think we moved in August right but we got married in July and moved forward what later. year was this 2011 11 okay and then, yeah, yeah, so you moved over there, and so I'm following you on the Facebook. Yeah. And then, then you 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 got in the family way. I did, I did. First, I did a couple tours, and then I, well, then yep, we went to Italy over Christmas. Okay. Italy makes you pregnant. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Totally just be careful. Like, nice. Chianti and pizza. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, but it was actually really good timing. We we sort of talked. We, honestly, we had loads of friends who had had a lot of trouble getting pregnant. So we're like, oh, well, you know, I'm. Have they tried fucking? <laughs> That's my advice. Well, most of them, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so apparently, you know, you get older, things don't work right anymore. So well, you don't I was tell like, me. Right? Yeah, I was. 30. <laughs> <laughs> so I was. I guess I was 33 at the time. Oh, an ancient old hag. Well, it's a thing. Like not really, but at the same time, I had friends who'd been trying for five years and nothing. So I was like, this won't, you know, this may take a while. Okay, let's, let's attempt this. And, and it didn't, I, apparently things were in working order. So. Good, good for you. Which actually ended up being great timing because our baby was born over in Scotland. Nice. It was fantastic. So. Now, so so from what I am, like healthcare, is that straight up free there? Or? It was for us, yes. Scotland's a little different from England. They have their different NHS systems, the National Health Services. Okay. But um, um, babies are still free and things like that. Yeah. Um, and it was free for us because we were over on a student visa. Like it's you can't just like go on vacation there and, and have a baby. Although okay. if you break your leg, they'll take care of you. Right. Like that's, um, and I've heard people not getting bills for that sort of thing too. Okay. But um, yeah, they they take it like 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 you're our you're our guest. Yeah, 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 and yeah exactly. And it, it, the whole mindset. I mean, I could talk about this for hours. The whole mindset of like it's not shocking to them that they might end up contributing to their neighbor's heart surgery. They're right. like they're not. Everyone, at least everyone I've talked to, and goodness, I've talked to a lot of people, they're not angry or bitter about it, for the most part. <laughs> like, even their conservatives are still our liberals in some right. sense. Like, oh, wow, he's doing Nice, it. he's right on top right of us. Right on top of us, <laughs> cleaning it. Thank you. That's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll power through it. I have an old school vacuum. So there we go. Oh, there go. Ah, that's nice. So, okay, so you so you had this, this this baby, like nothing, no no bills, no natal care, no prenatal care, no, no vitamins, no, no... Yeah, everything was completely That's fantastic. Free. It was amazing. I and mean, we paid a lot of money for school there and, like, definitely put some money into their economy. And okay. Our, you know, still, although their grad school is also cheaper, so all around. It was great. The care was fantastic. Um, yeah, what do you want to know? I can tell you nonstop stuff. Oh, uh, so... But, uh, now, now, you've been you'd been to Edinburgh before, but, uh, but that is, it is... The Scottish accent is one of the most beguiling to me because uh, um, it's Engl- you know it's, it's it's the same language I speak, right. but you got to listen really really closely. Yeah, and it depends where you go too, and that's the you know the old history of this really really tiny island, but ten miles apart, these accents are so different. Oh really? So different, and the one you don't understand is probably Glaswegian, which is the fancy word for people from Glasgow. Oh nice. Yeah, um, I, their accent, especially after a Glaswegian friend has been drinking, is nigh impossible <laughs> um, yeah I can't do it at all I, I've, I've yeah I, it's one of those things I usually kind of pick up the lilt of the accent so I can do a sing song thing but I, I still can't do a Scottish accent it, it's amazing it, there, there's a, a, a show on, on Hulu that I've been that I watched mm-hmm. called uh, I think it's called The Book Group 
and it's about an American. I uh, it reminded me, it's about an American girl who moves to Scotland huh. uh, just because she needed a change, and she starts a book group. Okay. And uh, uh, and so and then it, I don't think it's a great show, but but it was yeah. it was a nice diversion and, and all these these various characters, uh, uh, right. footballers, wives in the summer, <laughs> and, and 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 they 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 read their books and, and stuff, and so I, I like got to them. hear all those accents, uh, uh, all all together. Yeah, I was just talking. I was in Scotland last week playing a bunch of shows, and I was just talking to someone about that. They were laughing about American shows or American producers who use. Um, Scottish accents and people, and they'll, I guess the same thing. I get upset when people do this about the South. Like, they'll yeah. have one, you know, the, the same family will have a Georgian accent. And right. And, you know, Alabama. It's like, what? Um, but they do that over there. Like, they'll put someone from Glasgow in the same family as someone from Edinburgh, and, like, America accepts it as, sure, like, that's how people talk. Right. Over there, they're like, what? What is this? Well, we, in Philadelphia, we, uh, uh, I, I, I call it hoagie mouth, and there's a very specific <laughs> Midlantic accent uh, 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 where yous... Uh, uh, yeah. No, and 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 it's it's like Baltimore and Philadelphia in a little a little area, and then whenever you make a movie, nobody hardly anybody ever uses Birdie is is one movie where they actually did did a good job with the uh-huh. Philadelphia accent uh, with the hoagie mouth, but but most of them they just throw if you're a blue collar they'll they'll give you that generic New York right. schlub accent. Yeah, it's like and how much money do they spend on personal trainers? And right, things? like come on, somebody out there has been to Philadelphia before. Right, like can you know, hire natives? Like that's not how you say that. Exactly, yeah, I don't get it. They do that. Kentucky all the time. I just watched one last week that was set in Tammy. Tammy apparently was set in uh, Louisville. Like okay. they stop off there, and, and one of the characters is from there. I'm just like what? The, ah, not yeah. even close. Not even close. <laughs> Don't even pretend. But yeah, they did. Scotland gets really upset because I mean it's specific and the accents vary. You know, I guess like they do in America, except that it's a much smaller geographic region. So Glasgow and Edinburgh, though they're like thirty miles apart, completely different accents. Completely oh, okay. different. So. You know, I guess if you're from there and you notice these things, it's, <laughs> uh, David and I got David's my husband. We got pretty good at at identifying. Like I just did this tour and I I, did, I only had two shows in Scotland, but we went down through Yorkshire and down to Dorset and London and and I got pretty good about you know, oh. like when when we were approaching Yorkshire because well Yorkshire's like that's Downton Abbey. People watch that like the okay. the the um not the proper the Crawley family but the um. Downstairs people. Yeah, the downstairs Sorry, folks. Retrieval right. issues. The, I mean, they definitely have the Yorkshire kind of look. Okay. I can't do it either, but I sort of know it's sort of nasally and a little bit, the, the lilt is different. And I definitely, when I stopped in to get my, you know, chips from the seaside snacks on the North Sea there, I was like, oh, that version sounds like Daisy from under okay. downstairs. And I have no idea what she's saying because <laughs> that accent, but... Um, so, so um, if if your son was born in Scotland, is he a citizen of Scotland? He is not. That is one of those frustrating things. I'm pretty sure that... Every place, at least in the in Europe, stopped that, and at least by the 80s. I, I think maybe Ireland was the last one, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, oh. that they don't do birthright anymore. Um, and I think it had to do with the, the EU, because a lot of people would just, if you're born in one country in the EU and you have citizenship, then you have access to the whole right. thing. So they, they got really strict about that. I think for Britain, it, it's sometime in the 80s if you were born before you know january of 87 or something then you get automatic but oh okay no he if we just stayed there he would be automatic after 10 years because okay. he was born there but it's based on where your parents are from oh and okay where your parents citizenship is so although the same to the, to the same note his birth certificate says um was granted is a natural u.s citizen whatever the wording for running for president it yeah. says that on his birth certificate so so he can run for he, he can, can be can president. Run for president although okay. i i sort of think that it depends which ticket he runs on like ah. somebody will have a problem with that if he's you know runs too liberal so but yeah so he it says acquired u.s citizenship at birth is what it, i think that's the exact language okay. that's on his birth certificate because both his parents were but as it stands now 
we were sort of rooting for Scottish independence because I was guessing right. that they might have changed that rule oh, if, right. if they got independence because they'd probably want some more citizens. And, you know, it didn't happen, so it doesn't matter. But um, at the, as it stands, he can apply when he's 18, and he has a better chance. Like, he, he can show that he was interested. And I'm planning to take him there, like, at least once every couple of years. So nice. He has friends there and is interested and then maybe can escape. Oh, what a lucky to. kid. So. That's great. <laughs> So you should. Uh, we've been talking too long. You should yeah. sing us a song uh, okay. on uh, any instrument of, of that you choose. Um, I'll do the guitar. Sure. Here. Pick it up. Whip it out. Oh, I forgot to tell you during the uh, uh, at the get go. The way we do this is you can play. You play your song, okay. and if you fuck it up, you got two choices. You can power through and whatever, or yeah. stop and we'll start over. Oh, okay. Your and then choice. You like edit it out. Yeah. I'm just gonna do it. Yeah. Oh, I won't whatever. Listen. All right. This is called Eggs and Toast. All right. Never want to see us holding hands and strolling down the boulevard. Nothing lasts forever except when we're together. Look me in the eyes and say you're not in love. Together we'll be more than you and me. We'll be the moon, the stars, the Holy Ghost, Johnny and June. Dish and a spoon like eggs and toast. Your sparkly blue eyes, your soft, squishy thighs, the way you look at me, and everything is fine. I never knew I'd be so glad for my life. The two of us forever walk inside. Together we'll be more than you and me. We'll be the moon, the stars, the Holy Ghost. Johnny and June, the dish and the spoon, like eggs and toast. Like eggs and toast. Lovely. Thank you. Is that uh, is that an old one? Um. I than two years old. Like okay. it, hasn't, it hasn't really been recorded yet. Um, I wrote it after my little one was born. It was maybe the... We have written two songs since he was born. Yeah, <laughs> so was that was like, my next question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> finished. I, I finally started, you know, writing lines down. Okay. But, um, it's but that it's was rough, man. Ones. Man, it is. It's just... Yeah. Like, uh, we we just went we just went to brunch and it and it was you and then uh, Dan who who I recorded with earlier he had his daughter there and I was watching yep. you know that you guys work that magic I mean we we got through lunch I mean you guys were we did. it was nap time too so that was like rough both of them were ready to take a nap before we sat down at the table and then when we when we when we first got you know yeah. the thirty minute wait or whatever yeah. and uh, just when we got there uh, we were out outside and uh, uh, Graham your little son yeah. was playing the red light green light game and he, right. and, he and he just took a header just like fell <laughs> on his freaking freaking face right on the he pavement did. and and you know. I was like, oh, and, and you were like, hey, you, you, so clearly you've been at this parenting a while. You, right. you, you knew, huh? Right. He's you made can, a cartilage. He'll be fine. It's just, yeah, you can you can tell when they like really, really hurt themselves. And that was just to kind of like scrape his hands a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I try not to make a big deal out of it, but I, I will swoop in if it looks like he knocked his teeth or something. Okay. <laughs> like, that's a whoa. But yeah, you definitely can tell. Yeah, he's fine. So uh, your your folks played music? No. They played the radio and they played record player a okay. lot. 
but they did not play music. Not at all. My grandpa did. He was, uh, my mom's dad was a trumpet player, and he played, he was in, like, big bands in the 30s, and then went to join the army in the World War II and played trumpet all through the army. So <laughs> That's a good gig, tra- right? It's a totally a good gig. Yeah. yeah. He traveled around, and I think he was stationed in Palm Springs for a while, like, playing those war bond parties. Oh, no. Yeah. No. So he war me, is hell. Right? Let's give money, everybody. Here's a Duke Ellington song. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, so he was but he was really good. Like he, um, I guess after the war he came back and retired, got married, well retired from music, opened a shop, and then started playing once a week just with his buddies to keep up their sight reading skills. Yeah. And then proto dead rock. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, it, it took like a matter of months, I think, before they started getting gigs. So <laughs> basically, I knew him as also a working musician. Oh, cool. Yeah, but he played in big bands still. Like he died ten years ago, and he played gigs. Up until a few weeks before he died. Okay. Like he was, oh, wow. Yeah, and he, he stopped playing because he was in the hospital. Right. But, yeah, he was, um, yeah, working big Did day. he match his socks? Because <laughs> he could have sure lived two weeks longer. Did. Yeah, there you go, there you go. He, uh, I don't remember much about him, but um, but um, he seems like the kind of person who definitely matched his socks. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once you, those guys that have been in the Army, yeah. you know, that, that imprints on you because you're young and then, they, you know, they take you to basic training, they break you right. down and build you up and you that'll affect you for life most yeah, likely. Yeah, you will match your socks. That's true. I guess there are other, yeah. Yep. Um, anyway, so the, he played music, so I, it wasn't like, I wasn't the, the black sheep for going off and playing music <laughs> entirely, but uh, um, someone had done it successfully before. Cool. So, um, so you, uh, uh, how did, how old were you when you picked up what you, was there a piano in the house? There was a piano in the house, so I played it a bunch, and I started lessons when I was six, basically, because they wouldn't take anyone before that, and I don't know if they just, my mom never knew about Suzuki. I'm sort of glad she didn't, though. It's not right. really a thing that, that, uh, I don't know, I, I learned to read music when I was six, and it's been a good thing for me, so. Okay. Did, did you see Whiplash, by the way? I didn't. I didn't. I was on the plane the other day. I was like, I should see that. And then I thought I might get really super stressed out about it. Like, now, Heidi and I watched it a couple nights ago. And yeah. It was, it was, it was like an interesting take. teacher, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. He's that teacher that expects yeah. a lot out of you. And I, it, it, it was interesting. Well, yeah. After you see it, we'll discuss it. Okay. I mean, it's, it, okay. I, I, it made an impact. And, and I think J.K. Rowling's is, is – no, that's the uh, – that's Harry Potter, not, yeah. yeah, no, J.K. Simmons is the other guy, ah, the guy nice. who plays the teacher. Because I just watched – Oh, um, the guy who won the Oscar? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Call Your Parents, that right. guy. So I just watched Oz a few months ago, which okay. I had never seen, yeah. and uh, um, and I watched it, um, and it's funny too. It's tough to watch because it's Oz was shot. Uh, it it was like HBO's first show. It was before the right. Sopranos, so our first uh, you know attempt at a show, uh-huh. and so so it's it's the old format, four by three, oh, wow. and it's low def. And so, like, I'm such a friggin' snob. I was like, oh, you're so grainy. <laughs> and the reason I stayed away from Oz all those years was was I was just like, well, there doesn't seem like there'd be enough, you know boobs for me like I, like like a long series like this i'm gonna want to see right. more and there's plenty of sex but yeah <laughs> different yeah not but you get to see all so many penises like if you want to really? know like if you watch law and order uh, uh svu you mm-hmm. can see stabler's wang right out there He's, i did not know that yeah I'm so behind in pop culture oh, stuff yeah. just in general like we don't have, yeah but but edinburgh has a bad like that's that's a fringe ground zero for the fringe it right it is yeah they yeah. had a massive festival the entire month of august and of course the entire month of august that we lived there i was hugely pregnant so i really Ugh. didn't get to partake um i sort of avoided ground zero for it which was the top of the royal mile but we saw we saw a show one afternoon and that's a great thing it's just like there are amazing things going on anytime you want like, oh really you go to a show at noon on a tuesday <laughs> and see a, a top-notch show you can find 50 of them cool yeah it's really great it's really uh, a fun i'd like to go back and uh well i'd like to go back and do a show 
But I also just like to go back and participate in the, you know, just go around and nice. see stuff and be off work for a month. And wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> see art for a month? Yeah. So Seems like a dream. <laughs> <laughs> now, where, where did you go to college? Uh, I went to New York University. NYU. And what did you study? NYU. Uh, political philosophy, I think, is what's on my degree. Right? That's a thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe that was like the focus. It was, it was politics, focus of philosophy. I don't remember. You don't have your diploma on a wall somewhere? I do. It's upstairs. Okay. It just says politics there, but there's... I don't know. My, mine's in my kitchen with a with a bottle opener. It's oh, my nice. $40,000 bottle yeah, opener. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a, a pricey <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah. We've got David's. David's uh, MBA is uh, oh, hard work. It is again. what it is. Good for He's, him. Um, yeah, his is not nearly as shiny like my NYU diploma. It looks like it might cost a lot of money. It's got like, <laughs> Is it Latin or? Yeah, it's got it's got the little gothic script. Oh, it's, nice. Like, solid. And there's some sort of gold shiny sticker on it. Like, oh. Yeah. Um, David just looks like they printed out on like the print shop. <laughs> <laughs> Bank Street Writer or something. <laughs> I ran this right out of the laser printer. Yeah, exactly. So, so. then after you graduated college, yeah. what was your what, what was your job? This is part of my favorite part oh, about Bridget. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, I, I was only 20 when I graduated. Really? So, yeah. Well, how'd that happen? Um, I graduated in three years, but I was also just young for my year anyway. Right. So... Um, I, I did a lot of homework in high school and entered college as a sophomore, basically. Wow. Which was good, but it yeah. also, it's it's sort of probably why my life took this weird turn, because I, I knew in my head, like, you're only 20, don't go straight to grad school. I don't know why. Maybe I okay. could have just gotten out of the way, because now I've, I've not yet gone back. Okay. But um, my head was like, you know, go figure out what you want to do. Don't just do this yet. Go get a job. Work. So I my senior year, I had interned for CBS News. Um you know, like CBS News, the, yeah. the people. Although I used to say CBS, and people thought I meant like CVS, like the. I interned for CVS, right? <laughs> yeah. which probably would have made me a lot more money. I was in the laxative department. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, you know, I, I probably would have been a smarter career choice in retrospect. But um, yeah, so I, I worked for CBS this morning, which was yeah. I think they're called this morning again. Was they it were the, the early Harry, show for a while. Uh, yeah, Harry the bald Smith. dude? Yeah, Harry Smith, and at the time I was on there, I think it was Mark McEwen and Jane Robolo. Like they went, they were the main ones, and okay. they sort of did. They had a ton of layoffs in like the. I was I was working for I worked for them maybe three years, including the internship. Okay. Three and a half. I don't know. Um, after I graduated, they offered me a job, but not at the morning show. I were, I switched to documentaries, which was okay. what I wanted anyway because I had I'd been in like the trenches of the news rooms during some really bad hard news situations that were sort of scarring, like Columbine. Like oh yeah, I was yeah. like I, you know I don't think I want to watch this stuff for the rest of my life. So I made documentaries for CBS News, which is like involved there. They have a huge archives up there. Um, they were one of the, I think they were the first news organization to keep their old film. So okay. all of the news organizations have their old film, but CBS just goes back the longest. Like okay. theirs goes back to the early fifties. Right. Whereas, you know, some people, if they, if you want to see, um, early footage of Kennedy, like they have to license it from different places cause they threw theirs away or right. they recycled it or whatever they did back yeah, then. Yeah. It so. br- breaks my heart when they talk about how they, we just recorded over yeah, the telescopes. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what they did. But the, the CBS archives had been around forever. And so. We would make documentaries for the History Channel or A&E Biography. Oh, really? One of those, yeah. Because it ended up being cheaper for the History Channel to hire CBS because that way they didn't have to license their footage since they own the footage anyway. Wow. They have to use. Rather than, you know, CBS saying, you can use this, it's $800 a second. Then we Is that use, a legit price? Oh, it's a total. It probably double that now. Yeah. Like, for some of those film archives, when you would, you'd have to find, like, I did a, sh- a show on Sing Sing, and I remember 
some archive had the only footage of the electric chair yeah. there being used or something. And um, I don't think it was an actual execution, but it was some sort of weird demo. Yeah. And that one was like $1,200 a second to show. Wow. They, they also needed worldwide licensing things. It wasn't like a one-time. It was included DVD and okay. you know, all the stuff. So. Do they st- Does it still work that way? Does the History Channel still... Well, at some point, Viacom, and they all merge, so... Oh, okay. But I still think they keep their budget separately, so even though CBS and History Channel, I don't know if they're together anymore, but at one point, they were owned by the same company. They may have gotten a discount, but yeah, basically, if you own footage, anybody can license it, and you can set your own price, and it's a totally legit price, so... I mean, some of them are cheaper. Some are $35 a second, some are $1,000 a second. It just wow. depends on how rare and or interesting your footage is. Oh. Like, there are companies in New York, Archive Films is the big one, or they were back then anyway, and historic films too that just owned tons and tons of really cool videos like people's home movies so so if you know you're doing a like I did a bunch of these Amy biographies where you just tell the whole yeah. history of somebody so if like you probably haven't noticed maybe you have your, your uh, observation sorry <laughs> or, uh, um, anyway so you might like there's only certain images that exist of you know Times Square in the 20s yeah so like if you watch whatever show and they need footage of Times Square in the 20s You'll see the same thing. It's the same Ford uh, yeah, <laughs> Model T. Yeah, I can T. picture it now. Yeah. Like this overshot of this, and sometimes people will nowadays will because it's so easy to like turn something black and white, or turn something color, or sepia, or make something grainy. You can make it look a little different, right? But, but the old stuff, you know, if you are the one who owns it, it gets used. Oh a wow! Lot, so, but it was that was actually the coolest thing about working there is that since not everything had actually ever been transferred from film, sometimes you were the very first person to watch it. Oh wow! So you because it was all this old card catalog, and you go and say, I need. I did George Hamilton's biography. You know the <laughs> yeah, the tan guy, the tan right? Guy, right? He played so, Hank Williams. Yes, he did. Yeah. Yes, he did. <laughs> he also played that vampire. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, he also dated um, Linda Bird Johnson. I didn't know that. Right. So okay. I knew this. Someone vaguely remembered it. One of the older people in the office said, "I think he did this to look up footage of her, okay. or of you know so and so's um, party one night at the White House." So you look on these old film cards, and we had something transferred to. Uh, Beta. <laughs> beta. Well, you weren't using Umatics? No. no. It was film straight to, to beta. At okay. some point, they switched to digital, but it was it was late 90s, early 2000s, so no one was sure it would take right. off. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I remember looking through this footage, and then and he wasn't, George Hamilton wasn't listed as somebody there, because he was a celebrity, but it, it was, the party wasn't for him, and there he was, escorting, like, a young 22-year-old George Hamilton, like, escorts Linda Bird Johnson out. So. That's a score. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. very cool. So, yeah, stuff like that was really fun, those discoveries. So you were so. on that path to become a TV. Yeah. And then what happened? I went home, oh, oh, this is the dramatic part, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, my mom got sick, and she, she's fine now, you know, fast forward to that, but she had... Uh, breast cancer and it was it was pretty advanced like it was in her lymph nodes and she Ooh, was having to go wow. through yeah so and again she's fine now but it was one of those like I'm 22 I'm only 22 I at that point I had worked there for a couple of years I'd been promoted to associate producer and I actually went and talked to my boss the executive producer her name was Marjorie Baker and I think she recently retired but I sat her down and I talked I was like I don't know what to do and she was like she stopped me and she goes I'm a 17 year survivor go be with your mom if you want a job when you come back call me oh wow yeah it was awesome so my plan had been to go home and you know see what happens and go back but um i came home and started playing music kind of this therapy and suddenly was like hey i can do this like were you gigging in new york at all mm -mm. no well no that's a lot i was gigging but not as myself like i would accompany all those musical theater people and i did cabaret shows playing piano oh okay you know for the people this is what oh three oh four this was 
Um, I moved back just just before September 11th. Oh, so this was yeah, late so 90s, 20. early. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, all through college I did cabaret shows, and I, I played in an Irish band up there, but I played accordion and guitar, and I didn't really sing. Like, I'd sing some backup. And stuff. Right. I was never front and center. I, I, did, I played music, but it was... It was uh, never for money, and it, I mean, it was, sometimes it was never for the money, and it was never, it was just like the sanity thing on the side of my real job. Right. So, okay, so you yeah. come home, you start gigging. Yeah, um, and realizing, you know, I guess I went and saw more music, because I was in New York, I was so young. Like, when I graduated, and I was still 20, like I said, so I couldn't go see music. Like, I, mean, right. I was 21 and up, so I'd... Oh, right, yeah, I in New York, re- they're, they're hard asses, yeah, too. Yeah, serious about it, so I could barely ever see live music, so I hadn't sort of... I guess I hadn't, it hadn't occurred to me that it was because I'd done well in school and I was kind of a nerd about that that like I wasn't supposed to be a musician. I was supposed to. I was pre-law and all that stuff, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so to actually realize that one, I was good enough to do it, and two, it wasn't like a really terrible career chase. <laughs> <laughs> then, like, Luckily, you didn't bump into my dad. <laughs> right. <laughs> he would have told you. Well, I made. I mean, I think I made twenty thousand dollars a year in New York, and then I got promoted and I made thirty thousand. Where were you living? Uh, I I lived with a family. Like that's the thing. I couldn't afford. No one would give me a lease. So I nannied uh, after hours oh, and before geez. hours. Yeah, it was a live-in That's nanny. exhausting. It was so tiring. But again, like it's not like I had enough money to go out at night. Right. So, so um, I lived in some nice places. I lived on the Upper West Side. I lived in um, Brooklyn Heights with the same family. They'd moved and they bought a um, um, place. Actually, it was really cool. The people I lived with were... Um, I don't even know if I should say this, but they won't listen to this. And it's not that, it's not like a secret. He's... I'm huge. What do you know? <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. This is the big thing. So the people I lived with, this is just a total tangent, but it's sure. interesting because you'll like it. Do yeah. you know Richard Holbrook? I do not. He was um, the special envoy to Afghanistan when he died a few years. He actually died when I, the same tour, I went out to see you like three years ago. Yeah. He... Where I met Dan. You brought Dan yes, with. Dan yes. Cannon. He died that weekend because I, I remember being on the road in West Virginia and mm-hmm. hearing that he was in the hospital and then he was gone. He basically ended Bosnia. To, wow. Like, that, yeah, and he was supposed to be Secretary of State under Al Gore. Um, Google him, and you'll be like, "Oh, that guy!" Like, okay. you totally have read his stuff because I know how up you are on current events. Yeah, and, and you might even see his face. Anyway, I lived with his. Uh, I was nannying for his grandkids. Oh wow! So he wasn't there, but yeah. like, I ended up that I would. He was at the time he was the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> right. So I would like get swept away to these funny parties at the <laughs> like babysitting the like ambassador to egypt's kids well you have a knack so. for being f- a friend of the important i really do and it's really <laughs> it's yeah it's not anything i ever tried to do but it was kind of funny i remember sitting there going uh, gosh these people knew everybody too because they all worked in news and this guy was the ambassador so when he threw a party like I, the one party i remember was a surprise i don't know if it was a surprise but it was a birthday party for harry belafonte total name dropping just like right no go right ahead so and it was on the top floor of the Waldorf Astoria, which is where the ambassador is given. He, he can live there, but I think um, Ambassador Holbrook already had a place somewhere else in New York. But they had a party there, and I remember somebody introducing me around. And they, you know, I think it's kind of cute. They're a little girl from Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this funny? She's 20. She's from Kentucky. One time, though, they got me. They're like, this is my friend Bob. And it was Bob De Niro. Oh, <laughs> my, like, my friend Bob De Niro. <laughs> and then the look on their face like, ha, I got you so good. So. Anyway. So I lived in some pretty cool places. Yeah. Some pretty cool things. Um, however, I did work all the time. Like, yeah. That that party, really, I spent most of the time in the back room watching Mary Poppins with the kids. Right. Like, you know, then someone remembered to bring us a plate. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I did get driven home in a motorcade a couple times. Really? Yeah. Driven home in a motorcade? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Because oh, there was that one summer where they were remodeling and I had like a separate place anyway um, <laughs> i lived in a really cool place that's sort of, that's one of my superpowers is like finding cool housing i think you know what i want you to be is i want you to be the uh the old woman uh uh in the hospital bed 
uh, who uh-huh. tells this nurse her story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, <laughs> and that's the movie. Name? Nicholas Sparks can write my story. Yeah, like, yeah. Get a, a tearjerker. Yeah. All right, so you, uh, so you come home, and then, and then yeah. like, do you remember coming to a concrete decision, be like, I'm not going back to New York? Um, yeah, I guess it was when I, sorry, when I met my first husband, and we were, like, we were really good and that's together. Nate. Yeah. Yeah. We were there, we were good together on stage. We were terrible together off stage, but, like, on stage, we... I, we played music together really well, and we were entertaining to the crowd. And I yeah. remember when people would pay us, and we'd be like, oh, this is more than I got paid in New York. And that goes back to my I got paid crap in New York, yeah, uh, which is why I lived with the family. Um, and realizing, not that I made a ton of as a musician, but I could work a lot less and make the same <laughs> and be with my family right. and do what I love. So it was like, this, oh, yeah, this makes sense. I'll do this. All right. Yeah. But I was also still, you know, 23 or something, and so the thought was always like, I'll do this for a while. This is right. fun. Right. So, so I'm, I'm still doing it though, but that's fine with me. Now, if I was to look on your phone, yeah, in the C's, <laughs> <laughs> suppose I need to call somebody named Elvis. I gotta say that is like my fear about losing my phone. <laughs> I swear, like I wonder if I should like call. Yeah. What's his real name? McManus. So what's Declan his? McManus. Declan. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Tell this story because this is awesome. <laughs> I've always loved Elvis Costello. Who doesn't? Yeah, he's great. He puts out records in every genre and is great at all of them, and I just, anyway, he's always been a favorite. Um, okay, the story is that I was at the radio station in Louisville, WFBK, fantastic station, and I was down there because I had a record coming out. I think I'd done a quick interview. This is, was, was an ear ecstasy, John? Um, no, uh, it was, it was 2008. I had, I had done an, an ear ecstasy thing. Yeah, ear ecstasy was there. John hadn't put out the record, but um, I, had, I had done a store there, but... Uh, I mean, I had done an in-store at the at his shop. Okay. But now I was down at the radio station that um, actually John is a DJ for now. John Timmons does does on-air stuff for them. Right. Who owns Ear Ecstasy? Owned Ear Ecstasy. Anyway, so I was down there doing a interview, and then Elvis Costello was in town that night. I already had a ticket. Um, that was back in my awesome single days where I just bought one concert ticket. Uh-huh. It was always front row. Have you ever yeah. tried to do that? That's the yeah. secret. Yeah. Don't buy two. No. Buy right. One. You get a great seat. It doesn't matter if you missed that window. Um, so I had a front row center ticket to go to that show that night, but they said he was about to come in for a, an in-store. I mean, not in-store, for an in-studio interview. And I had to leave. I had to go teach piano lessons. Oh. I was like, oh, I can't cancel my lessons. You know, he was... Anyway. So I left him a note and on the off chance that the DJ would be kind enough to get it to yeah. him. And I finally went to her and I was like, listen, I left him this note. It says, Dear Mr. Costello, I'll be at your show tonight. Um, Mr. Costello. Yeah, I didn't know. What did you say? Like, hey. I didn't want to be rude. Right. Declan. <laughs> yeah, what's up? Um, I said, if you need an accordion player, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> totally joking, right? Right, yeah. It's like, here. But I said, I do. I'll, I'm actually in the front row, you know. I'm red hair. Here's, I think I wrote it on the back of one of my, my posters or handbills or something. You know, um, you're not a dummy. Right. Well, that's also all I had. But I said to, to uh, Laura Shine, who's a wonderful DJ, I said, listen, if he's cool, will you give this to him? If, if that's awkward in any sense, don't even worry about right. it. Like, I don't care. Um, and she laughed. Well, an hour later, you know, my phone rings and I'm teaching, so I don't answer it. <laughs> You're too cool to pick up well, the phone from Elvis. Well, it doesn't say Elvis Costello's phone. You're like, I don't know that number. It's not like, FaceTime. Right. Who answers their phone for an unknown number anyway? Nobody. <laughs> but then it occurred to me and I was like, wait, huh, he just finished his in-studio. I, like, <laughs> I wonder. Um, and so I checked my voicemail and then he just, his voicemail said, you know, first off, he left a voicemail. Who does that anymore? Right. <laughs> He did, and it said, you know, hey, you know, this is uh, Bridget, or this is Elvis. Um, I've been given your number, Bridget, and I'm down at the studio, and give me a call back. And so I just, like, immediately hit redial. Right. You know, 
<laughs> I tried to play it really cool. Right. And, um, yeah, left a note on my door, my studio door, and I was like, I, I got a gig tonight, call everyone. Sorry, I cancel because he's like, can you be at, at Soundcheck in an hour? I guess he'd ask the DJ, you know, well, is she any good? And she, the DJ vouched, and she's yeah. like, yeah, she's great. Like, yeah, she absolutely is. So that's the time that I got to play with Elvis Costello. Now, how big was his band that time around? It was the Full Honest Imposters. It was, um, yeah, four-piece. Nice. And yeah, now it was great. a five-piece. It was a five-piece. So, piece so did you, how, how many songs, do you sit in a bunch or just one? I did sit in a bunch. I, the plan was just to do one. He had, when you're on the phone talking, he had said he wanted to do um, Femme Fatale. He was like, I yeah. s-, and that's before he'd recorded it. This was 2008. He had done a three-quarter time version of it, and he wanted to kind of make it more Cajun-y sounding. So an accordion would be really great. Come play. And I remember we went down there for sound check, and you know his people knew I was coming. They had a DI waiting. I just plugged my accordion in. And I remember his... Um, he just told me B flat and then turned around like so I couldn't see his fingers. Oh, jeez. It was sort of like a test. Yeah, that, like Dylan again, does. To go back to piano lessons and teaching in my ear, like I was fine with that. Like, first oh, of all, yeah. I, I fucking hate B flat. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, hey, nice to meet you, E. I gotta go. Yeah. Well, that's right. In, in retrospect, <laughs> I feel like the whole he wasn't being mean about, it, but I think he was just making sure I could hang. Yeah. And so he played it in B flat and he didn't show me his fingers and. But it was fine. Like, I did fine. Like, honestly, everyone's like, aren't you nervous? Like, no. That, if you'd give me a, a drum kit or, like, <laughs> made me do, like, a speech or something, totally. Do a cartwheel. Right. No. Yeah. Nervous as can be. But no. Uh, and I play the accordion in a, a scale. Like, I know. I know my scales. This is why I practiced my scales for years. Awesome. For this. So awesome. It was fine. It was great. In fact, he said, oh, let's also do this. And he listed off a couple others. And then he brought me out for, out for a, an encore and we ended up doing Pump It Up and Radio Radio. Like, we did a bunch of stuff. It was great. It was. Really and I, I imagine there were there were a buttload of people in the crowd that knew you. Yes, it was so funny because that was not planned at all. And so, yeah. And it was sort of the height of my career, too. My new album had just come out. And, yeah. And, yeah, the roar when they said it, it was awesome. I, like, went there, I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw my friend in the front row. And it was just. No, no big deal. Just hanging out. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> Um, so why don't, you, why don't you play me something on the, on the whip out your squeeze box, girlfriend, oh, is, right. my, is my, my line. That's a good uh, transition. Yep. I would have... Uh, Song. Now is this, is this uh, lady size or is this full size? This is lady size. <laughs> I have an accordion and uh, and I was so excited to show her my accordion <laughs> and she said, "Oh, it's lady size." Yeah, they should change it to women's now, don't they? Ladies is sort of a. An or they should do it like like uh, like Starbucks. Just call it a large. So you have you know. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's a small, yeah. Right. Um, I'll do. I did a really short song last time, so I'll do a slightly longer. Sure. Um, this one is called "The Ballad of Motorcycle Joe." And it's, uh, on the record, it's piano and accordion, and I think cello, too. But um, it's a song that started getting me to travel to Scotland, because somebody in a really famous folk band in Scotland recorded it. What's the name of the band? Um, they were the McCalmans. Okay. And uh, the, the guy's name was, they've broken up since, but they were around for 30 or 40 years. The guy's name was Nick Keir, and he was, uh, he died about two years ago, but he was a singer from Edinburgh. Fantastic. Okay. So he's who, he was like, hey... I recorded the song. It's getting airplay in the BBC. So is your record. Why don't you come do a tour here? And there I was. So um, he recorded it very much like a very deep yeah. thing, but sort of a little more dramatic than the other one. Does anyone here see my bike? They stole it last Saturday night. Late night soft tail classic. Late one night in 
asking, I'm tired of your antics. So, uh, so, so now uh, you, after the after the, the Elvis show, did you guys hang out? Was there a green room? Was there? There was. It was great. He was just like a musician that you'd expect. Like, um, 
he just wanted to hang out with other musicians and talk about music and play music. And he didn't know I played the saw. And it only came up because we were having dinner in the um, in the green room, I guess, before. And we were talking about mutual friends that we had in Nashville. Cause okay. I, at the time, I was doing a lot of session work in Nashville. And uh, we, I'd played... I'm just going to name drop because this is, you know, yeah, go ahead. it was Cowboy Jack Clement who cool. yeah. he, he recently actually just died a couple years ago, maybe. Um, but at the time I, he had a new documentary out or something and Elvis was saying that he had just seen it and he was making his whole band watch it. And I was like, oh, I know Cowboy. And he's like, you know Cowboy. I was like, yeah, I can call him. Like I have, I have his number too. <laughs> like, let's talk to him. But he's like, how do you know him? And I said, oh, I did some sessions for him. I had played the saw. And he's like, you played the saw? So there it was. And I was like, yeah, I do. He's like, do you have it? And it, it just lived in the trunk at the time. Right. Because it's just a saw. So, yeah, I ran out and got it. And he's like, well, let's come on, meet in the dressing room. And I've got this new song. It was Mr. Feathers off of his um, purple one, Momofuku. And he had right. uh, that album. That's what he was touring, I guess. And so he's like, well, let's try this. So we just, like, ran through half of it. And his dressing room's like, oh, you got it. That's great. Let's do that. So, which I also love because, man, a musician, one, he just, like, trusted that yeah. I was going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Didn't make me rehearse it four million times. Like, I, I sort of wish that other people I played with <laughs> could do that. Like, Elvis didn't make me go to right. rehearsals. Come on. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was great. So I did, um, I played Saw with him live. And then I played with him again when I was living in Scotland. Um, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I just played with him a few months ago. Oh, cool. Again. Yeah, just one of those. I, I texted him. Um, that I was going to the show in Scotland. Yeah. I was like, hey, we're living here now. I know this is weird, but just can I say hi? And then he was like, oh, you know, bring your accordion, bring your saw. My brother's going to be there. I want you to meet them. And so I guess oh, his wow. brother was out. Yeah, I actually had just, I, I tried to connect with his brother last week in London because I was playing and he lives down there. And I was like, well, maybe, you know, because at the time I was six months pregnant when I, right. and, and I was trying to hide it so that no one was weird to me. Right. Like not, you know. How, how, what do you mean weird? Like, um, again, it goes back to the whole, it's hard enough to be a woman musician Mm -hmm. anyway, without people treating you very differently in terms, and sometimes it's kindness and sometimes it's kindness that then leads to resentment. Like when I've been the only woman on a, in a band, everyone insists on carrying my shit for me and which is part kind, but then they get annoyed that they're doing it when they wouldn't. And other people are like, you know, why aren't you carrying hers? And she thinks that, you know, it's just blah, blah. So and then throw in a pregnancy into that. Like, this, <laughs> you cannot lift this stuff. Like, you cannot carry your accordion. So oh. I was trying to just be like, I'm fine. I don't no special treatment. Like, just let me do the job. So. I just uh, love bangers and mash. We eat a lot of it up here. <laughs> right. <laughs> really need a donut immediately. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. So. Well, so bringing up the saw, you are actually, you are an endorsed saw player, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. It's your musical endorsement. That's right. Well, they sent me two free ones once. So That's awesome. <laughs> it's been a I'll while. I'll take it. Yeah. And you were telling me, you, uh, I think I read on your Facebook page, you usually, because flying with a saw is just a disaster. Yeah, you can't, you can't do it, apparently. So, <laughs> it's just, it's my musical instrument. I'm on a list somewhere for that. Uh, uh, yeah. So, we, what, no, what, did you try to, did you try to, uh, not, you try to gate check it or try to bring it on board and carry um, on? Yeah, one time, the very first time, I just did, attempted it in the carry-on, and no. They like, wouldn't, wouldn't no, fly. No, I didn't, I didn't argue. I was like, I just right. have some carpentry to do. Right, I got my fine. miter box. Here's my bow. It's, it really is. But um, they, at least, you know, you could buy a saw. So when I when I fly places, I usually just go to Home Depot or Home Base or, you know, or the local independent hardware store. Okay, <laughs> yeah. there you go. So um, now, what size saw do you like? I like a Stanley 26-inch. Okay. This, this is actually the one I played with Elvis. I um, It's got, look, Steve Neve. Oh, look at that. The whole band. That's Elvis there. He signed on sort of the fancy bit. That's awesome. But, uh, Very nice. So, uh, um, usually I'd, this hangs on the wall next to other saws that have been signed. <laughs> but I, the one, my current actual play saw, I just left in town last week. 
You left, I, I left in Scotland. In Scotland, so now there's one so, there yeah. for you. Yeah, so I need to get replaced. So if you were a big, huge star, you would have like you would have them scattered all four corners. You'd I be like, would. Well, I I'll would. be playing my Mauritanian yes. song. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so that that's is that that's a shorter bow. What? This is a teeny bow, and I actually can't find a bigger bow, so I'm just gonna do this. Sure. Yeah, it sounds better and it's easier to play with a the bigger bow you can okay. find. And this is actually probably. A, a disaster. I mean, I can do it, yeah. but don't try this at home. Get a I big won't. bow if you're going to. It's a child's cello bow. Okay. So, and it's the smallest. Like, it's an eighth inch or eighth size. Not eighth inch, but eighth right. size, yeah. whatever. Um, child's cello bow. So, yeah. The bigger the bow, the better it works. Not the same with the saw. You'll kind of find the ones you like. I have a proper musical saw upstairs that <laughs> I can't stand playing. I only really? play it when I need to play um, a particular song that's got two octaves in it. Oh, okay. You can only get about an octave and a half out of the one that I'm gonna play here okay and some songs like uh really i got it to play that like frozen song let it go let it kids go love that yeah, okay so i do kids songs you know, yeah play your audience yeah um but most songs are within an octave and a half so let me just start on the right note you're good okay you want to hear some yes so yeah if your dog's listening <laughs> time to put your earphones in um what you want to hear um uh, whatever you want to play this is yeah. all right what should we do let me think I know. I'll do a little Kentucky song. Oh, great. Okay. Just... Awesome. That is great. Thanks. I imagine that, that, that kills everywhere, right? People like my old Kentucky home. People like the saw. Um, I try to, when I travel, like when I went to Scotland, I, I do Loch Lomond, or I try to oh, nice. the Brave. You know, I try to make a, uh, an effort to find out the local song that would freak people out on the saw. But yeah, oh. in general, people, yeah, especially when I'm playing, you know, that you know that you get to that audience where just nobody's paying attention. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. that place, that's when it's just like that's right. saw. Uh -huh. And then everyone's quiet. And then you can do your like meaningful song. Right. For maybe a song and a half. And, <laughs> and then back to the, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, people love it. The kids love it. The, the grown-ups love it. People who were dragged there by their boyfriends or girlfriends. Right. That's the thing that they go home talking about. So Cool. It's the party trick. But, nice. But uh, people like it. So it's fun, too. It's, it's honestly, it's gotten me a lot more places than I ever would have thought. I used to not ever tell anyone that I played it because it was purely just a thing I could do. How did you start? My college roommate had one with her. Okay. Um, her brother is Guy Forsyth out of Austin, Texas. Yeah. He's in a band called the Asylum Street Spankers. He's a favorite. Oh, you know what? I didn't know that he was in the Spankers. I, I played he's, with the Spankers a couple of times. I, I yeah. know I know Whammo. He started them. Yeah. Okay. He's, he hasn't been with them for a while, but yeah, it was his band. Him and Whammo, I guess. And what's the woman, Christine or Christina? Or yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, something like that. It's been a while. Great voice. Ukulele player. Yeah, um, he, her, uh, so Guy's sister, Liz, was my college roommate. Okay, oh, cool. And uh, remains my best friend to this day. She had one. She said, my brother plays. I'm going to learn how to play it, you know, this semester. I was like, okay, how, how is that going to work? And so she sort of showed me, and she's like, it's supposed to make a sound. Because I don't know if you've ever tried it, but it's actually really hard to do. I never um, have, but yeah. It's, um, 
I, I now it's one, again it's one of those things that just sort of I was good at I could do I th- I credit it to having played cello for a few years though okay I think a bowed instrument a bowed background helps somewhat but it, you got to feel it and so it's hard to explain to somebody else but um, I was able to make a sound and and a guy came through I guess the Spankos were playing New York and they stayed with us and he gave me a couple tips and I was like oh I'm totally doing this so oh, cool. I became obsessed for about a week and then I was like now I play this off of course <laughs> I'm much better now than I was then but I was able to to play a tune like I remember. It was shortly before Christmas, and I guess I had finals week or something. So I didn't. There was something I, I didn't really have to do anything. Like I just we had a couple tests, and mostly it was time off. And I remember coming into the room of my buddies and being like, "Look what I can do!" And I played Green Sleeves, and I don't know if it was any good, but it was enough that they could tell it was Green Sleeves. And I was like, "On the song," and so that's my thing now. Awesome. Um, but yeah. So when was the last time you put out a record? God, so long ago. I've done EPs. Um, like I just put out a single last week. Um, I did an EP a year ago in the United Kingdom only, mm-hmm. but I haven't done a real full-length record in like seven years. You got you got plans, or are you just trying to? I have to... so many plans. I have tons of music. I have enough for I have enough songs for you know five or six pretty good records, probably two great records. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I my challenge has been, well, I I um, stopped going to Nashville all the time and um, started working more here. Then we moved to Scotland, yeah. had a baby, and it's like, it really is, you know? I seem to not be able to get the band together at the same time as a babysitter, at the same time as mm-hmm. a person to push record. Like ah. most, I can get like three out of the four, as you know, but not all Dude, at once, someone so. should open up a mommy studio. Oh my gosh, yes. Well, Daycare? Travels, have you found, you know, mothers who, I feel like everyone stops all women musicians stop at age 35 um, or they don't have kids like, if you're a giant rock star yes like yes. you know Liz Fair had yeah. a whole totally posse fun. with you know yeah Amy Lou Harris all this yeah all, yeah if you've done it already yeah it's okay yeah but there's like that middle class musician is it's really really hard and I Apparently, babies are time-consuming. They are, and it's and your mental health. I had really, really bad postpartum depression. I remember reading your and, blogs about that. Oh, it was a nightmare. And, like, I'm not – I've always been the get-over-it person. Yeah. Like, to everybody, which I know now is super irritating. <laughs> right? But, because, of course, you want to get over it. Right. But, you know, yeah, I was a mess. Mm. And then um, my husband travels for work a lot. And mm. it's, you know, it's, it's actually good because it, I, I like my alone time. But at the same time, like – if I'm stuck at home, I'm stuck at home. It's not like I can put the kid to bed and then have a few hours because <laughs> I can't leave the house. Right. Or, you know, my kid also is a terrible sleeper. He's really, really great in most things. But, I, you know, I'm in some of these groups. He's good at brunch. He was, he was he's, great. He's, he's a good kid. Like, he's really yeah. chill and he's smart and he's potty trained. So that's yeah. awesome. But he, um, he doesn't like to sleep. So I'm in you know, some of these mom's groups of other women artists who would talk about, oh, well, you just have to get up at 6 a.m. and write before your baby wakes up at 10. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I, I got this Fitbit that tells me how badly I sleep. Like, <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I'm not going to get up at 4 a.m. Getting yeah. judged by my own wrist. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, so I can get up at 4 a.m. and I definitely can't call my drummer at 4 a.m. Right. Like, Studio, got it, let's go. So. Oh. <laughs> but I feel like I'm just going to, I'm going to finish something. Like, I did... Focusing on one track at a time was helpful. Okay. I guess I sort of tried to do it my old way where I had either just blocked off a week and done it or I had done, let's do all the drum tracks and then let's layer. And I can't seem to get a drummer sober. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not alone there. That's yeah. sort of a... So I, 
I focused on this one song. I, I mentioned Nick Keir, who had been the guy who wrote the Battle of Motorcycle, or recorded Battle of Motorcycle Joe. I wrote a song for him, and since I was going back to Scotland, it was important to me to finish that one. Okay. So I said, you know what? That one is like a waltz kind of thing, and it's more of a pub session vibe. There's no drums on it. Let's just do this. So me and Steve Cooley, who is phenomenal person all around, also happens to be the best banjo player in the world and probably the best right. of everything strings. You played ever. with him last night, right? I did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he is he has a well, mobile recording studio too. Oh, okay. He was on a houseboat. We finally just like... A houseboat? That's awesome. Yeah, he's just a cool guy all around. You gotta talk to him. So what? What? Uh, what river is this? Uh, Ohio. The Ohio River. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I will, I'll. I, so, yeah. Put me in touch. I'd, I'd love to do, yeah. talk to him. Chat with him. Yeah. Well, we just did a. Um, we just did it, and I said, you know, here's my parts, here's vocals. Throw whatever strings you want on there. I trust you. Boom. Done. Nice. Yeah. So I feel like if I can just say, okay, now we're gonna do this song. This do the song this week. Here's my accordion parts. I'll email it to you and. Come over, we'll do vocals. I don't know. I've been doing a thing where I'm, I'm helping a guy sort of produce. I'm just producing a, a demo, and I'm mostly doing it to get to get more comfortable behind the knobs, which yeah. is not my, my home space. Yeah. Um, and so basically, we're going like almost almost every Wednesday from 7:30 to 9:30 at night. Yeah. And so slowly we're grinding. You know, it, it, it may never fi- finish. You know, it might right. take it might take 10 years to make a record. Yeah. But 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 just to, you're right. Just to plot away at it piece by piece. Yeah. And I am not. I hate recording. To be honest, it's not my favorite thing. I much prefer the live stuff. Me too. I hate committing to parts and lyrics. And I yeah. Hate, um, yeah. I also, I care less about the arrangement than I should. Mm-hmm. Like I want the song to be right. I yeah. Don't, I don't need the the note of the violin to be. Uh, there's a guy named Mike West. Uh, I knew him from Louisiana. I think he's uh, maybe he's in Oklahoma or somewhere now. And he said something interesting. He's a, a producer. I think he's from. He's Australian too. Uh, yeah. uh, and he said, in the studio, he's trying to. Rather than trying to capture the perfect version of the song, which is like what the Beatles were after. They right. want the perfect... He's like, yeah. I'm trying to perfectly capture this moment in the studio. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I love that. That's good. He also said that uh, the reason he liked Steely Dan was because Steely Dan was a uh, piece of plastic perfectly imitating a piece of wood. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, that's brilliant. It is a perfect imitation yeah. of, of music. So, <laughs> brilliant. That's hilarious. So, um, so the, uh, now when did you leave Scotland? I left Scotland uh, on election day, 2012. Okay, so I, yeah. so you may have, I think, you know Latch is living there now? I did. Yeah, I, yeah. Did, a, I did something with him. Oh, you did? Okay. Um, unintentionally, it was something I was hired to, to do, and I think he was emceeing. It was some sort okay. of like business conference situation thing but I remember there was a boost and bill for piano in the corner and I was like oh I must play that we uh now you, you never did you play the, ever play the side you never played the sidewalk cafe did, when you were in New York I did but not as me I, as that Irish band that right. I played with okay. we played it before so um yeah I'd met Latch of course he had no memory of it so no. he was um which I mean kind of surprises me because you're quite pretty Aww, so, so sometimes he gets so the so nice <laughs> thank you Usually, I mean, me, he wouldn't remember, but... Uh, <laughs> no, yes, he yeah, would. Well. Yes, but, he would. So slowly on this podcast, I've been yeah. getting the anti-folkies, and we, and we, and we fill all, yeah. all that stuff in, so That's, it's... Uh, well, I know, some, actually, this woman who I just toured with, whose name is Diana de Cabarus. It's like this <laughs> fabulous name. Yes. Um, she knows Latch well, and she's actually running a songwriter's workshop with Latch in oh, cool. Spain. Oh, what? Yeah. I love the way he can create community everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, she owns this property. Actually, her dad does. And they, they rent it out. And it's a rental, but it's it's this villa. Oh, it's not. It's it's like a, a big house and a bunch of little properties. Yeah. Like, in, you know, surrounded by desert and date palms, but not far from the beach. And 
she's always she owns a music school in Edinburgh where she teaches lessons. She's a performer and all this stuff. And um, they just kind of got together and decided that hey, let's use this property, but do songwriting. Everybody wins basically. Nice. So, yeah, I don't know. I think anybody. It's open to the public. Like, oh, it's cool. A, you could go. If you, I, all right. I forget what it costs, but it's you know. Although you don't really need songwriting lessons. From, <laughs> well, from it's always good to hang around with the folks. That's true. A week in Spain isn't bad. Though, yes, right? that's true. So anyway, uh, if people want to check out all that is Bridget Kalen, uh, um, there's the Red Accordion Diaries. Yeah. Give, give us all the email, all the all the uh, websites gotcha. where you are. Well, BridgetKalen.com, which is B-R-I-G-I-D, like frigid, I know, like a B. <laughs> K-A-E-L-I-N dot com. Um, and then at Bridget Kalen and backslash Bridget Kalen, all that stuff on all yeah. those websites. Um, RedAccordionDiaries.com works too. Um, accordion only has one A at the very beginning. Little PSA for everybody. Oh, that's good. It's, it's I-O-N at the end. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but my blog nowadays has sort of been the thing that I've been more productive at. And it seems like a lot of people read my blog a lot more than who have bought my albums. So, well, let's try and equalize funny? that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although I should, I've written more blogs than I've made albums, I guess. So, all right. Um, so yeah, say hi on the internet. Internet. So those are the places, and you uh, you can get your records on iTunes you and at can. local Camp, record stores sometimes. 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 I don't in, know. in Louisville. Yeah, in Louisville. <laughs> um, yeah, my first record's out of print, and I keep saying I'll, I need to make a new one instead of um, reprinting that one. So. Right. <laughs> but they're well, all on the internet. So. Fantastic. I appreciate you taking some time for me. Why don't you play us Thank out with you. something? Anything you want to take us oh, out? All with? right. Um, I'll play. Uh, can play piano. Yeah, we're gonna stop and better. we will reset. Yeah. yeah so hang yeah. on a second. All right, so I'm switching to the piano. Um, I'm going to do a song that is uh, this new one. I was going to do an older one, but I realized I should be here telling you that I have a new song out on iTunes, and I wrote this song for my Scottish friend Nick here. It's called Once I Had. Once I had a garden in Old Town And a gate and a bicycle too A cobblestone street I had a friend in you You stood up so straight in the spotlight You hunched in the shadows inside You touched my shoulder and said to remember That once I had everything Once I had a slow French waltz A single malt Book of old birds, poetry, and a Christmas card, and a custom guitar. Once I had a friend in thee. It's so nice to meet you. Here's a key to my flat. Give me a call 
That was my good friend Bridget Kalin. Thank you for listening to Rhymes Against Humanity. Please go to iTunes and buy her new song. While you're there, why don't you say something nice about the podcast, Rhymes Against Humanity with Adam Brodsky. It was good to see you all, and I will see you next time, and we are clear.